Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
It's the end. Don't say that, Papa. It's not the end. Even at the end, my own son is telling me what to say. <laughs> Seymour, my boy, believe me, it's the end. All right, Papa, I believe you. It's the end. Seymour, I liked it better when you were arguing with me. Papa, is there anything I can get for you? Yes. One thing before I go. I would like one piece of Mama's delicious apple strudel. It's my last wish. I'll get it for you, Papa. What else could a man want but the taste of Mama's apple strudel on his lips when he goes? I'm a lucky man. I'm back, Papa. Oh, good. The apple strudel. No, Papa. I didn't get it. Mama says you can't have any. What do you mean? Can't have any. She said the strudel is for after the funeral. <laughs> no matter how many times you hear it, right? No matter how many times you hear it. Unbelievable. Jam in the AM. Good morning, everybody. You heard the uh, Leros Bunim done by uh, Shmuley Schneider. DJ Cross and uh, Bensi Marcus with Modaani. That's brand new. Shulam Lemmer with Modim, that's brand new. Levi Cohen with Tata, that's brand new. Eitan Katz with Baruch Kel Elyon and Nigun Lashabas Viyomtov, that's brand new. That's off of his uh, latest album entitled, what's the official title? Eitan Katz, Shar Yashuv Mishmar. Shar Yashuv Mishmar is the name of the album. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this March 10th. Happy birthday, Dr. Mark. Happy birthday to everybody celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday, Chava Siegel. Happy birthday, Yosef Siegel. Happy birthday, Yoshua Siegel. Happy birthday, Uri Butler. Milestone birthday for Uri. Happy birthday from all of us here at JM in the AM. It's the 10th of March, day 17 in the month of Adar. The year is 5783, Tuf Shin Pei Gimel. time on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitisa, Erev Shabbos Parshas Para. 537 in New York, 537 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Tomorrow night, Sunday morning, we'll move the clocks forward. We're going to head to daylight saving time. And there'll be a, a six-hour difference between us here in the New York area and Jerusalem for a couple of weeks. I believe on the day or the night of our big celebration on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, I believe that's the night that they'll switch to a daylight saving time. So it'll be a six-hour difference after tomorrow night. And um, again, candle lighting 537 for what will essentially be the last for this season of the short Shabbatot. I know they're not that short right now, but you get my point. Or early Shabbatot. Call it whatever you want. When's candle lighting next week? Candle lighting next week in New York is it's a quarter to seven. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is quite a difference. Anyway, don't get confused. Candle lighting today, 537. In the New York area, and again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Malcolm Holmline, an hour from now, we'll do our weekly update and catch up on some of the news of the week. I hope you'll be with us. 
through that conversation. Uh, Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin will speak about the Parshios, Kitisa and Para. Uh, what else do we have to offer? A whole bunch of amazing music and information. Hopefully some inspiration as well. I'd like people to get on board with the Chesed campaign. Those of you who are anxious to support the Matzah Fund, which remember is helping hundreds of families in Judea and Samaria with basic needs for Yuntif. Remember that. Alan Hirsch, who runs the Matzah Fund and does all of this incredibly, almost single-handedly, uh, he is um, in the United States right now. He's in the United States right now. If you want to speak to him, give him a hefty check. Every penny that's collected is used to distribute uh, to the families of Judea and Samaria. Uh, so if you want to speak to him, have him come down to your office or your home and pick up a nice check, now is the time. And he'll tell you, he'll tell you the stories of what our brothers and sisters in those areas are going through now on a daily basis. I heard a story a few minutes ago that happened last Shabbos to a woman and her uh, baby who uh, live in um, in Shiloh. And let's just say that her, her baby, her toddler, is um, now officially a victim, a, fa- a, a fatal victim of the mob that continues to gather in, in creative ways to uh, harm innocent men, women, and children living in Yudan Shomron. And I'll, I assume when Malcolm comes on, I will, I will discuss with him the episode, which I bet you he doesn't even know about because apparently it's gotten zero attention nationwide. Uh, I, I shouldn't say nationwide, meaning internationally. Um, anyway, those who, of you who want to support the Jews of Judea and Samaria for the holiday of Pesach, 347-992-7411. 347-992-7411. Let Alan know you just want to be a supporter. You want to give him a big check and help people in need for uh, Pesach. Um, and uh, your help, of course, is greatly appreciated. That's an understatement. Um, so please, please respond and be there for the fund. 347-992-7411. Also, keep in mind that the fund uh, has a web address, Matzah Fund, M-A-M-A-T-Z-O-H Fund. Let me make sure I give you the right address here. M-A-T-Z-O-H Fund. Uh, the address is matzahfund.com. M-A-T-Z-O-H fund.com. M-A-T-Z-O-H fund.com. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. You can do it from your phone, Literally. You can do it from your laptop, from your computers. Give, give, and help Alan distribute as many Pesach products as possible for the families in need. And may Hashem reward you for keeping in mind those in our community who are living on the front lines and are literally sacrificing their lives for the um, national mission of the greater Israel. Uh, J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. Weekly update coming up and plenty more. Yisachar Dror, brand new with this Bowie Kala. You're listening to J.M. in the A.M.
בואי בשלום, עטרת בעלה. גם בשמחה ובצהולה. תוך אמוני ים סגולה, בואי, בואי כלה. בואי ושלום, עטרת בעלה, גם בשמחה ובצהולה.
J.M. and the A.M. It's brand new from Avrami Samet. Ani Maman is the name of that selection here at J.M. and the A.M. Uh, before that, uh, Mati Atyas with uh, Umordechai. That's right. We're still playing Purim music. 
Matt Dubb and company had Vani, Bowie Kala, brand new from Yisachar Drawer, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course, the beloved NSN app. Our Chesed Fund is in full swing for the month of Nissan. I know it's not Nissan yet, but you get my point. Uh, remember that our friends in Judea and Samaria... Hundreds of families in Judea and Samaria are supported by the Matzah Fund. Go to matzahfund.org, matzahfund, oh, dot com, rather, matzahfund, M-A-T-Z-O-H, fund.com, or dial up this number and speak with Alan and let him know you uh, want him to come to, that you want him to come to your house or office and pick up a big check to support the families of Judea and Samaria, 347-992-7411, 347-992-741. One in the background, we've got our Galitzal feed. Last night, terror attack on Dizengoff in Tel Aviv. As this uh, string of terror continues in Israel, a reminder that our brothers and sisters in Israel are surrounded by a day of hate every single day. We'll speak about this and other items coming up about 45 minutes from now with Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents. He'll join us, and we'll do our weekly update here at JMNAM. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from JMNAM. Galitzal, Asha Shtayim, Shalom Rav, Baulpan, Eran Kurtzim. Ma shikore achshav, tounot adrachim, rochev ofanoa kevin 30 b'matzav kashe, l'achar shenifga merechev b'chvish 20 b'ezor mechlaf kibbutz galuyot. Tzvatim shel magen David Adom, pinu oto levet ocholim ichilov b'ir, kashu sovel mechabalot b'gapayim. מפקד חיל האוויר, האלוף תומר בר, נפגש הבוקר עם אלוף משנה במילואים גלעד פלד, אותו החליט להשעות משירות. זו פגישתם השנייה של השניים בימים האחרונים, אחרי הפגישה בהודיעה בר לפלד על השעייתו. בפגישה ניסה הקצין המושאל לשכנע את מפקד החיל כי נפלה אי הבנה, ולהתעקש כי בשום אופן לא עודד אי התייצבות של טייסי מילואים. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש. מפכ"ל המשטרה רב ניצב יעקב שבתאי מבהיר כי לעת עתה מפקד מחוז תל אביב ניצב עמיחי אשד יישאר בתפקידו מדווח כתבנו לענייני משפט אביתר בר-און המפכ"ל שבתאי הודיע כי ניצב אשד לא יוזז מתפקידו עד שתסתיים הבדיקה המשפטית על ידי היועצת המשפטית לממשלה. שבתאי הבהיר כי ההחלטה להזיז את אשד מתפקיד מפקד המחוז התקבלה במסגרת סבב מינויים שגרתי, אך השר בן גביר השפיע על העיתוי בצל ההפגנות נגד התוכנית המשפטית. מוקדם יותר הודיעה היועמ"שית בערב מיער על השר בן גביר כי קיים חשש כבד לחוקיות המהלך, והוסיפה כי יש לבחון את עיתוי פרסום ההחלטה והשיקולים העומדים מאחוריה. המשפטית לא דיברה איתי טרם הודעתה, מדובר ביועצת משפטית שמאלנית, מוטה ולא אובייקטיבית, שפועלת מטעם השלטון הקודם, כך בן גביר. כתב אישום הוגש היום נגד חמזה עאודת אללה, תושב ירושלים, בן 33, המואשם שקיים קשר עם פעיל טרור מרצועת עזה. ועדכן אותו בפעילויות ביטחוניות באזור ירושלים. כתבתנו בבירה נועה ברנס מוסרת כי על פי כתב האישום השניים אף תכננו להניח מטען חבלה בגבעה הצרפתית בירושלים. בבית העלמין בקבוצת שילר הובא למנוחות, למנוחת עולמים חתן פרס ישראל וזוכה גלובוס הזהב השחקן חיים טופול. מאות בני משפחה, חברים ואנשי תרבות הגיעו ללוות אותו בדרכו האחרונה. 
מטרופול, הותיר אחריו אישה, שלושה ילדים ותשעה נכדים, יהי זכרו ברוך. ידיעה שהעבירה כתבת התרבות מאיה יהלום. מזג האוויר בהיר עם עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות, מחר תחול עלייה נוספת בטמפרטורות ויעשה חם מהרגיל העונה. אלה החדשות.
ovinu ovorachamon. Hamerachim rachim olenu. Vesim belibeinu lehovinu leyaskin lishmoya lilmoidu lelame.
J.M. and the A.M., it's uh, Yaakov Shweki with a song done in tribute to the memory of Rabbi uh, Meir's Lotto. It's Vahairi Nenu here at J.M. and the A.M. Before that, uh, Rafi Sass, we introduced him yesterday to this audience, a senior at TABC who is um, now responsible for uh, this day, for this debut, for this single entitled Vishamru. And we again wish him a mazel tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. And our friends from TABC, the music program uh, pals from TABC are going to be here on Thursday in our New York, or excuse me, in our New Jer- in our brand new New Jersey studio. Keladone done by the Stamen family to open up the hour right here at JM and the AM. Harry Rothenberg is next. We've got the Parshas Kitisa. We've got Parshas Para. Harry Rothenberg has... Uh, some words about this uh, about this week, and of course, we dedicate Harry's Dvar Torah this morning to the um, wonderful and incredible Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava, a refuah shlema, a speedy recovery for Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Harry Rothenberg on a Friday morning erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. I flew to Dallas last week to speak, and I brought along one of my sons. During our free time, we went to the Sixth Floor Museum, freaky museum that chronicles the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. You can see the room from which Lee Harvey Oswald fired the shots. You can track the trajectory of the shots by looking through the window and by looking at a scale model recreating the scene. Then you can go outside the building and see the X's on the street showing where the Kennedy vehicle was when the shots hit. And you can walk up on the grassy knoll from which conspiracy theorists say a second shooter fired another shot. So you'll ask me, was there a conspiracy? Was there a cover-up? And my answer is, I don't know. But I have a lot of questions. I do know, however, that there's a massive cover-up in this week's Parsha. We hear all about the horrible sin of the golden calf and all of its gory details. But we don't hear about another colossal sin that the Jewish people committed. Before they gathered around Aharon, the high priest, they first gathered around Hor, Aaron and Moshe's nephew, Miriam's son, and they asked him to build a golden calf, and he refused, and they killed him. The Torah does not include that detail. The sages say we can only tease it out obliquely, because before Moshe went up on the mountain, he told the Jews, if you have any legal matters to adjudicate, bring them to my brother Aharon and to my nephew Hor. But then after he comes down from the mountain, only Aaron's mentioned, because Hor had been killed. Why didn't God include that detail explicitly in the Torah? Because he was worried about our reputation, the reputation of our ancestors. The Jews repented after the sin of the golden calf, but they did not repent from the sin of killing Chor. And the theme of this week's Parsha is not sin, it's repentance. And so God did not want to openly mention a sin for which we didn't repent. God was worried about our reputation after the sin of the golden calf, for which the Jewish men had collected gold and built an idol, and some of them had worshipped it, the ultimate act of betrayal, of infidelity, and yet afterwards God was still worried about a reputation. But that's not all. Because the morning after the golden calf, God got up early. He didn't actually get up early because he never sleeps. And he prepared individual breakfasts for each Jew, including those Jewish men who had sinned. Omelets made to order, French toast, waffles, pancakes, 
vegan options, gluten-free options, nut-free, low sodium, no salt, low salt, you name it, they got it. You'll say, I don't remember saying that detail in the Torah. Yes, you did. Because the Torah tells us that every single morning, while the Jews were in the wilderness, the miraculous mun fell from heaven. The food that tasted like anything a person wanted it to taste like, including the morning after the golden calf. It's a reminder that God's not just God. He's our Father in heaven. We're his children. And he loves us like crazy, no matter how we act. It just hides in so many ways It causes all the grass to grow And the sun to shine on the days Ooh, every day's another sign For everyone to see But it takes a man to see his plan For all that's meant to be Shown to them the hand of Hashem. Yes, it was clear to them. But those who don't see are those who refuse to see, and those who don't hear are those who refuse to She thanked Hashem 
the shiny fair ringing From above the angels singing Carlos has passed It's over at last Once and for all We will join our brothers At the place that we will gather Every end will stand together No more sickness, only healing At last for joy we're feeling Long overdue But this time it's true Home in our land Now till forever There we go. JM in the AM. That was the uh, Yismach Moshe. Uh, Yismach Moshe performed by DJ Fabreng. Before that, Michal Przanski with the medley. 
on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos here at JMN. Weekly update coming up and plenty more. Well, last night was a knockworse night. No joke. I really got to let uh, Seth Levitt know. Last night was a, a knockworse night. A, a very effective one, in fact. <laughs> it was so delicious, incredible. Thank God our friends from uh, A&H make this delicious knockwurst where I walk into the store. I pick it up, literally grab a bag of uh, hot dog buns, and I'm all set for the night. And recently, it's become a big Thursday night treat for me. Those knockwurst sandwiches in a hot dog bun. Uh, you want to check it out? Go to your local supermarket or... Go to kosherdogs.net. Get a 10% discount with promo code radio. This portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Enjoy the 10% discount on all Abel's and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code radio. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954, and A&H products are available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. Amazing A&H. Just amazing. JM in the AM, we continue with uh, the Adidim Choir.
אנחנו עמוקים במים, ונופים למטה, בואו נתפלל אליו, כי הוא שומר עלינו מלמעלה, כי the light shining bright, shining bright like a diamond, keep the thought inside, and everything gonna be alright, don't know love, השם עליו, הוא אחד ושמו אחד, הוא יהיה בתפארה, don't know love. version of Adon Olam here on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Pinchas Wolf before that from Shirei Pinchas Volume 5 with Menucha Vesimcha. The Yedidim Choir off the same album with Kel Adon here on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Parshas Kitisa, Parshas Para, two Torahs tomorrow. Candle lighting at 537 here in New York. 537. Make sure you know when candle lighting is where you are. Our uh, Nissan Chesed campaign is off to a roaring start. Anybody out there would like to support? I mean, there are a lot of initiatives that we are supporting, obviously. That's the whole point of our campaign. But uh, I, w- I want to point out one of them right now. Support the families of Yudan Shomron. By supporting uh, Alan Hirsch's Matzah Fund. Every penny that comes in goes to the family so that they can have matzah, wine, chicken, fruit, and whatever else they need for Pesach. Uh, They are literally buying nine and a half tons of chicken to feed these families. It's a lot of chicken. They're buying 12,000 bottles of grape juice. It's a lot of grape juice. Um, over 1,800 families are on the list. Over 1,800 families. You know what that is? Anyway, uh, speak with Alan. Uh, first of all, matzofund.com, M-A-T-Z-O-H fund.com, or 347-992-7411, 347-992-7411. Our friends at jewishworldreview.com encourage you to visit their site, as do we. So you could check out thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world. Print out a bunch of them before Shabbos and get more and more informed about what's happening in this crazy world of ours. JewishWorldview.com, JewishWorldview.com. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. With us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Good to have Shabbos. Appreciate that very much. 
Uh, glad you've sobered up since the uh, Tuesday holiday of Purim. You did allude to the fact last Friday that I would probably uh, imbibe a bit too much. So, you know, takes one to know one, as they say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, uh, our brothers and sisters in Israel, some of them are going through, well, I would say all of them are going through a challenging situation, but in particular, I'm talking about the terror attacks. Uh, we'll get your comment in the aftermath of what happened on Dizengoff last night. You'll tell us what you know. But in addition to that, Malcolm, it's no secret that there's so many things happening, especially in the center of Judea and Samaria, specifically the Shomron, uh, where so many people are being intimidated by the enemy, uh, by those who are, live in Arab villages in the area. Last Shabbos, a woman was driving her daughter to the hospital on Shabbat because it was an emergency. And on the way back from the hospital, uh, she uh, after she was treated, etc., um, heading back to Shiloh, a car blocked her progress. Uh, she was able to avoid it. Of course, the car followed her and then, uh, in, in fact, hit her uh, to the point where um, her daughter, her two-year-old daughter, was injured and subsequently passed away. Obviously, this story gets zero attention internationally, but this is the type of intimidation that people in areas like that are living with every single day. So your comments regarding that in terms of what's happening in the Shomron, specifically in areas around the Arab villages, and what can you tell us about yesterday in Tel Aviv? Well, this is part of an ongoing series of attacks, which, uh, as you know, the media report in an even-handed way that Israelis died and Palestinians died because of the uh, raid in the morning. Uh, not mentioning the fact that these were murderers, terrorists about to carry out an attack or having carried out attacks, that the um, uh, the equivalency, the moral equivalency that we all warned about for so many years is not is now accepted and taken for granted. The the coverage of wh what is taking place is so lopsided and so distorted and so misrepresentative, and the people you know, accept it as fact. And so we see the impact on pro-Israel numbers and the growing manifestations that governments now free feel, feel free, especially because of what's going on in Israel, to speak out in ways that they hadn't before. And that the, whether it, and it's in regard to Iran, when the head of the IEA, who has always been very supportive of Israel, comes out and says it would be a crime to attack, because he has his own personal agenda to pursue uh, in his career and, and knows that being pro-Israel is not a stepping stone to a higher international position. Yeah. And the media's constant uh, barrage, and it's why it's so important that people call up the news stations, that they keep the, the pressure on, that there at least be a balanced, honest presentation. I'm not saying they'd be pro-Israel because that's, I think, too much to expect from, from many of them. And the tragedies, you know, these two young children, five, six years old, eight years old, What? what where is the compassion? Where is the, the feeling for it? And, and the father being badly hurt as well. And then two brothers yeah. uh, being killed in, in such a brutal fashion. And we find out from somebody who was in jail before. And then, of course, many of them were pressured to be released and um, or in, were in swamps, or you know, and they all and they proved to be recidivists in in so many cases. So we have a, a situation where you you cannot even seeing some of the things on TV. You're not getting the the uh, right context in which to to understand it. 
and these, you know, these are blatant attacks on civilian populations who did nothing. Whereas Israel goes in and wipes out nine terrorists, and we see nine Palestinians killed. Are there people who die in the crossfire? Yes. But it's not because Israel aims to do it. It's because they can put themselves in the harm's and, way. And by, and by the way, how, how absurd is, is it how much we celebrate, not a criticism, how much we celebrate when a member of the Hollywood community or media community makes this point? Like you, you'll find on social media that one lone voice who's making this point. You say, ah, oh, there's somebody who actually gets this. You know, they're surrounded by people who refuse to get it, but they actually are brave enough to come out and say something. And in regard to last night, first of all, it does seem like it could have been much, much worse what happened on Disney Golf. So I guess you have to, you know, count your blessings and thank God for that. It could have been much, much worse. And secondly, are, are they portraying him as a lone wolf last night i mean you and i have discussed what lone wolf really means and what type of you know rhetoric actually incites this type of activity but are they portraying him as a lone wolf from the last night's episode they were saying that he was a lone operative but they never are they all influenced but if you take any one of the the incidents and and take a minute to have a minute to look at what what who these people are and and the circumstances um the guy who killed uh, Halal and Yagel uh, Yaniv uh, was a Hamas member who was um, who previously um, had been engaged in terrorist activities. He was killed in an exchange with the Israeli troops in Janine on uh, on Tuesday, and th- the Israeli forces came to make the arrest, but they came under massive gunfire, including from uh, Palestinian gunmen who fired from an ambulance on them, and then. <laughs> Palestinian health officials said you know, six people were killed in the fighting and 12 injured. Well, so were three of the Yamam uh, counter-terrorist unit, but all six of the Palestinian casualties were armed combatants. You have no impression of that. And, and the five uh, Palestinians killed on Tuesday were members of terror organizations, uh, including uh, um, uh, another Hamas member. So these are not just haphazard uh, incidents. And it's it's really unbelievable when you see that Israel arrested the sons of the Hawara killer. Um, they didn't want to kill him. They didn't go in there to, to to. They went in there to stop terror. And it's it, it's unbelievable to see the kind in in American media. I'm not talking about just what right. we get from Al Jazeera and Palestinian coverage. What do you think of the lone voice uh, point that I made? How much the lone wolf? Well, no, 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 no. The lone voice when I when I'm referring to you know when someone's brave enough from the Hollywood or the media community. Yes, well, we do celebrate it because honesty is still something we value. <laughs> that's true. And, we uh, like truth, and truth is something that's become rarer and rarer. It's like a diamond. You know, the more it goes up in price, the more people cherish it. And mm-hmm. truth has become something with you know that we we should look at look look at the coverage on Iran these days, the, the, the complete distortion, misrepresentation that Iran shipped a huge quantities of uh, ammunition to Ukraine, to the, to the Russians. The, the head of the IEA comes back and says that he has a deal when there was no deal. And yet the media right away fell for it hook, line, and sinker. And of course, like every other time when he comes back before a meeting of the board of the International Atomic Energy Agency, he has to back off of it and said, well, we, we have, we're in discussion, we're, we're working. They're not working on anything. Russia now says that they're going to return the enriched uranium that the JCPOA deal said that they were supposed to take from and got paid to take from Iran and store it. Now, according to the deal that they made, they're returning the enriched uranium 
to Tehran. And that's one small uh, item in a much bigger agenda. We could spend you know hours just yep. detailing these things, which get almost no coverage. You know, also Washington's a little bit to blame for it because every time they, you know, every, every time they overreach a bit or what seems to be an overreach in terms of what they're blaming Iran for, they always walk it back and they always, you know, portray it. That's why there's always a conflict in Israel and the United States about what, you know, I, what Iran is actually capable of doing because Washington's never ready to admit, you know, to the full extent where Iran is up to. So but this time they can't hide the fact that there were two centrifuges of IR6s that they found the 846 uh, percent purified uh, uranium, which and and ninety percent is you know it's just one step up. It doesn't take anything to get to weapons grade, and they perhaps don't want to go to weapons grade because they know that the the consequences will be bigger. In this way, everybody will make excuses, and the as as we see happening, and and we know that there are still talks going on, and those who still want to see a deal concluded with a party that has shown in every way its treatment of its own people, the violations, human rights, the international uh, um, activities that they're engaged in. And the more the pressure at home as the, their economy collapses, their people suffer, they do more aggressive things abroad. And we, we are seeing that now. And yet we're not doing what is necessary, which is to confront them. And so we're losing our allies in the Gulf because they're saying, you know, that they're going to be left alone to face Iran and the the um, the cost will be a long term one. Yeah. All right. Two things. Uh, first of all, not to get you or I uh, into any trouble or me into any trouble, but you know, uh, it's 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 always interesting to see reaction by people six thousand miles away about what goes on in Israel. Uh, and I'm not in, sitting here today endorsing revenge attacks or what people should or should not be doing in response to the attacks that are coming from the Arab village, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but uh, can we at least agree that Jewish leadership in this part of the world should be very careful before criticizing those who believe the only language the enemy understands is when they get very tough with the enemy and they go ahead and, 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 and show them what's going to happen if they uh, dare you know, challenge or threaten Jews in that area? Can we at least, can we at least agree that, that Jewish leadership should be very careful about the types of statements they release in, in light of these events? Not just in light of these events, I think people should be careful about the consequences, the long-term consequences of the words of things that are being said, and not just by American leaders, by people in Israel, by people here, um, that um, when you, you feed the BDS um, uh, crocodile, giving them the language and the um, backing and, and the excuses that they can then just quote uh, whether it's American Jewish leaders or others, and they say things which could have long-term consequences, I believe that this issue will ultimately be resolved. You see that there are some talks taking place, and when the opposition feels that the price is, is right for them to do it, that uh, maybe perhaps they feel that right now they have Netanyahu uh, is paying the price for, for what he said, did and the introduction of these measures. And so that they it's not in their political interest, but it's certainly in the national interest for both sides to step down. Uh, the president, Herzog, uh, has made, you know, very emotional appeals. And, um, you know, it seems that, that neither side is, is really paying close enough attention to the consequences of, of what this means longer term, that the image of Israel as a, as a democracy thing, that it, people are saying, you know, that democracy is dead and that this is the 
dictatorship, and this is what they're doing is not uh, is not killing democracy. In fact, when hundreds of thousands of people can demonstrate in the streets, that is democracy. And when you know people can criticize their government, I think that there are, there should be limits. And engaging in violence is is never uh, acceptable in an answer. Uh, making their voices heard, whether or in demonstrations, the the um, threatening to pull out the money and trying to intimidate investors and doing other things which will cost people jobs and livelihood and have long-term consequence. Are... is such an important thing for people to keep in mind. You can be critical, but think of the consequences of your words abroad. And are... those who are abroad to be doubly careful. Are there open and well said, and I appreciate that. Are there, are there open negotiations or are you referring to secret talks that are going on or are both happening? I would say there are both. There are discussions going on. The, the president has conducted uh, discussions and they came up with a plan that will increase the majority to 65, impose all sorts of safeguards uh, into the system that um, I already heard these ideas uh, a month ago that they were being muted, but I don't think that right now the uh, there's serious parties to take it up. The, the the ground rules people know, but there are those who, who have an interest in seeing the crisis continue and the political strife continue because they gain from it uh, politically or believe they will, uh, even though if you had elections today, you, we could probably, and, and the coalition would, would um, uh, be weaker, but there's no clear outcome that would emerge from it. And there are many people who are now writing about the excesses of the Supreme Court and putting things into context, which, frankly, the prime minister and others should have done right away in the beginning and did not do. Uh, and, you know, the, the feeling that this was being bulldozed through and then yeah. it becomes subject to everybody exploiting it who have other political agendas, including those very responsible and good people who have come out on this and they're entitled to that view. Uh, I frankly still don't understand enough of what all the implications of it are and therefore don't find that I, I, that the competence of people to, to comment on it. Those who are there and who studied it, it's one thing I've seen very meaningful debates uh, on the subject but that's not what we're hearing is we're hearing then this extremist language uh, trying to take advantage of this moment. Yeah. Uh, as you've described to us, uh, they never really laid out the case. Well, some would say they never laid out the case at all, frankly. Uh, so a poor job done in that regard. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world. The web and Alchemsegal.com and the Alchemsegal network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. I got to circle back for a second because um, it, it struck me when you said what you said earlier about uh, you know writing and uh, emailing. Obviously, we're all capable of emailing and uh, and uh, calling into radio talk shows and to you know that that's a game that the uh, game is the wrong word, but you get, that's a process that that you know we understand and generations uh, of uh, like of ours uh, you know is really proficient at and good at. We became good at that type of advocacy you know, from our youth. And I think one of the things, and um, and this is important to emphasize to, to students out there in our community nationwide, and I hope all parents and grandparents emphasize this at the Shabbos table tonight and in general, um, they, they have the tools 
to address all of this in social media, right? I have no expertise when it comes to, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, et cetera. But the, the kids, the teenagers and those in their 20s certainly do. They need to be turned on to how important it is to be out there and advocating for Israel and to use their tools to do so. So, yes, as you said, you know, the methods that we're used to and the methods that a lot of people in this audience uh, are used to and that we uh, perfected over the years, we've now got to get that next generation to utilize what they've perfected, this incredible ability to, to, to get things out on social media within seconds and navigate it and, and threads and conversations and all of this stuff and do it on behalf of Israel. And to realize the price that we will all pay for this, this is not just about Israel. This is feeding the anti-Semitism of the day and that those who attack Israel want to attack Jews as well. And uh, we see it in the media coverage, you know, the New York Times obsession with the Haredi community, which is almost unheard of and more articles coming uh, and, and boasting that they've done 12, 15, whatever, 18 articles uh, targeting one small community or portion, portion of the population um, and, you know, the, the, and ignoring so much of what is really happening and what, uh, when we look at the events, the people are focused on looking at the, um, the demonstrations we don't see anybody demonstrating in the Palestinian Authority against the, for long against the PA, even though it's the most corrupt thing, and 80% of the people see it as corrupt, and 60% want to see it as see it as a liability rather than as an asset. And yet we're told that you should negotiate, and you got to support them, and you have to build them up, and um, and the the uh, people. Uh, the local people in Janine, they don't feel committed to the leadership and therefore they build their own armed groups like Lions Den and go out. And, and do you know that, that the Wagner group is recruiting amongst Palestinians to go and serve in, in Ukraine? And they're recruiting them near Latakia in Syria and uh, fighters from regular Syrian military units, uh, which are run by the Russians, uh, are paid five to seven hundred dollars a month to go into the war zone and Hezbollah is recruiting as well. And we know that the Russians are paying $350 a month to Palestinians in Lebanon, which we should emphasize is a lot of money for them, for them. It's yeah. Compared to what they're making, it's uh, it is a living and they're making nothing. Otherwise, where's the coverage? Where's the, the, the reporting um, of the impact and of the, you know, these kind of nefarious activities, let alone that Hezbollah is building cells along the border with Israel, recruiting Sunnis and, and local Syrians who then blend into the population and are able to, to build up the capacity then to attack and to harass uh, Israel. And so we take our eye off the ball all the time with what, with what is going on. And I understand why it's, it's uh, very serious. Uh, but the 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 realities uh, from Iran to the Golan to the to Lebanon to all of this is now being given short shrift. Yep, hundred percent. All right, a couple of things on the international front. First of all, Saudi Arabia, and I assume that's who you were referring to earlier in terms of one of the countries that um, 
is concerned about you know the U.S. having their back when it comes to Iran. So they say they'll only make peace with Israel, uh, contingent on U.S. promises, contingent on nuclear development. Saudi Arabia is like you know a, a little bit Arafat like you know a deal was ready to be made and all he had to do was pull the trigger and he just couldn't do it. It, it, it looks like even with the Abraham Accords and even with the precedents and even with the desires that we're hearing from the business community of how desperate Saudi Arabia is to make peace with Israel, it just looks like the conditions are never going to be there for them to pull the trigger on this, right or wrong? They're not desperate to, to make peace. Uh, as you know, I've talked to the Saudi leadership about it over the years. I do think that they see that it would be in their interest. There are internal reasons, the, the conflict between the king and the son, the difference in attitudes, the, the concern about public reaction, the um, uh, because of, you know, Mecca and Medina are there, they're seen as having a more elevated status. Uh, and of course, Iran's constant uh, attacks and, and campaigns against them, but also a lack of confidence that, that we heard in the Gulf only two, a week ago when we were there two weeks ago, um, feeling that the West and particularly the United States is yep. not going to be there for them, right. undermines the willingness to take the bold steps. And, and now you also have a conflict between Saudi Arabia and the UAE, which is very dangerous in the region where they, you know, he, the MBZ used to be MBS's um, mentor, the head of UAE to the, to the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. And now they, they are in conflict in Yemen and elsewhere. They have completely different um, agendas to, um, to pursue there. And, and generally those kind of divisions in the, in the, what should be a solid front against Iran, which threatens both of them and wants to destroy both of them and take them over is very serious. And we need American leadership to be clear and strong there. We need to see them move into the IA and not hear that the Europeans are saying they're willing to have sanctions against Iran, but the United States is, seems to be uh, holding back. Others are saying it's the reverse. But the very fact that this becomes one of the mantras that we hear is is very disturbing. You know, what's, I, what's ironic is that, you know, they want America to have their back against Iran. They really need Israel. <laughs> That's really what they need. If they, if they would have direct negotiations with Israel and, and you know, and make sure that they had a peaceful relationship, that, that might be more beneficial to them in the long run. But, but the, we shouldn't believe that there aren't discussions going on and there aren't things happening between the two countries even if it's not the the public declarations of uh, of relationships, and there are other countries that are are moving ahead uh, on the path towards relations with Israel, so, you know we don't even look at what happens in Africa, Chad, other countries, and the Muslim countries that are moving right. towards relationships with Israel or declaring them, and the hung, Hungary moving its embassy to Jerusalem, uh, the Sudan upgrading the normalization process. And Saudi Arabia will come along. You know, the, the biggest mistake we make is focusing on Saudi Arabia. Public pronouncements about Saudi Arabia the surest way to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah, there you go. That's when they have to backtrack, when, when they when they feel the heat and they start backtracking and uh, and doing what I just described of, you know, not being able to pull the trigger on a deal. Uh, will Italy recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel? Will Italy? Yeah. And not likely. They're this... not going to break with the Europeans, and I doubt that they are going to make the move um, – they have never proven to be that courageous in the past, and there is strong, sometimes strong anti-Israel sentiment expressed. Uh, hopefully, this will be a positive visit between for the prime minister, and we will hear good statements 
but I wouldn't anticipate that kind of a move. Uh, last week, ironically, last week you were talking about the speed with which Erdogan is moving this election along, and of course, it's not really moving it along. It's keeping it at the original date, even with the disaster of the terrible earthquakes in Turkey. But now there's an actual candidate from the opposition party that will run against him. Is Are, are things more uh, tenuous for him at this point, or is this a candidate that he could uh, easily handle? Well, it, it's it's a consensus candidate, and there's talk that the uh, two mayors, the mayors of Istanbul and Ankara, would be um, or a vice president or would do other things to try to round it out. Uh, this is not the, the strongest possible candidate, but the situation obviously in the country is terrible. The economic situation, the, you know, 50,000, 75,000 dead, and the I think that Erdogan didn't have a choice but to move ahead with the elections because there's no indication that, you know, six months from now he'll be in a better position and that, uh, uh, you know, he has a lot of tools that, that he can exercise. Uh, also, people may not be able to get to the polls in the same numbers. So he has the options. There was an anticipation that he would uh, postpone it. But the point is that there, there, I don't think that he saw anything in the n- near term that would be put him in a better position uh, and hoping that, that his vote uh, will turn out, that his supporters will turn out uh, and not give the opposition more time to build up uh, their base ag- against him. It'll be interesting to see. It, it is possible he will lose, and that will have a lot of implications for the region as well. I can only imagine. I also wonder what it'll do to uh, the Turkey-Israel relationship in addition to all the other relationships that they have in that region, as you just pointed out. I I don't know if the New York Times had acknowledged this before. You would know better. Uh, But they did write an article this week about the Iranian currency crisis in light of uh, the way the uh, administration is handling uh, all the money that they're getting, uh, which you you have described many times here. I know that obviously that was one of the sources of the protests, but now the protests in the street are also focusing on the the poison uh, of the young women that we pointed out last week, which I guess is not a rumor anymore. I assume they have substantiated facts about it, right? Absolutely. Hundreds and hundreds of girls were poisoned in schools. Uh, the parents are protesting. Others are. Uh, this is uh, somebody who obviously doesn't like the demonstrations by the women or something else, has some sort of obsession and is responsible for this. They haven't found anything out. The currency now passed over 600000 to the dollar, even though the official rate is 42000 to the dollar. Inflation is, I think, 53%. Wow. Uh, people, I don't know how they survive. It just, that is the most mystifying thing to me of all is how do people live when their savings are worthless? They, they, um, you know, they, they've gone through all of these tragedies. And now, of course, this, this, this massive one, uh, people don't understand. I think the area of the earthquake is, is the size of Syria. It's, it's huge. And we, we won't know the number of killed until the, all the work is done, and we may not ever hear it be made public. But it's it's um, it's a huge burden that's uh, that's on uh, on Turkey, and uh, they are still active in Syria against the PKK, against the Kurds, and you know that's going to be that's always a major issue. And he can he always resorts to that to try to rally people by having foreign. Uh, uh, enemies, right now he, he, the the um, challenges there internally are are extremely big. Uh, Russia hosting Iran, Syria, and Turkey, the aforementioned Turkey, for a meeting regarding what's happening 
uh, in Syria. So what uh, what type of alliance is this, or is this simply a uh, you know a meeting to decide uh, what to do going forward in that region? So you know we're seeing stepped up Iranian provisions of surface-to-air missiles. Uh, we see them trying to bring stuff in, and they hide within the the shipments of humanitarian aid that cross the border into Syria. They um, are clearly recruiting and, and very active still in uh, in Syria, and of course, from Lebanon. So the Russians, who have uh, lowered their footprint because they're moving people to the Ukrainian front, um, uh, are trying to keep all the parties, I think, off base. So they, he forms coalitions with uh, Iran against Turkey, with Turkey against Iran, plays all the sides against each other to keep them in heat in dominance. He does not want to give up their position there, even though they, they have withdrawn even some of the batteries of any aircraft, et cetera, to take to the war front. Uh, you know, Russia is trying to, uh, aside from recruiting there, is is trying to assure that its position uh, and its leverage here remains. So it convenes the parties and tries to keep them from uh, fighting each other so as not to create a rift in which draw, draws them into it. It's such a complicated situation. I always wonder what Washington sees and assumes when you know things like this happen. Because, I, I mean, I, I guess you'd reassure us that USA intelligence, you know, has their hand on the pulse of all of this. But you know, once countries like that, rogue nations or those who like to cause trouble, you know, get together and have a common interest, it's always frightening. But you would assure us, right, that the United States has plenty of intelligence in line and that they they're monitoring the situation. Well, we have intelligence, and we know, and and it's not a secret meeting, right. uh, and there are means by which you know you can monitor it. But but they often will talk about it. Um, the the question is whether what America's policy is, whether they look at Iran's nuclear end game, and does it do we see uh, how quickly they can now uh, expanded their stockpiling and their capacity, you know as. Colin Cowell, who was one of the supporters of the JCPOA, said, you know, when we started, it was 12 years to to nuclear weapon, and now it's 12 days. And, you know, and the the, uh, the Russians, who are more interested in just maintaining their own position and, and securing it, they don't care about the humanitarian uh, aspects that, uh, you know, so many others have been responsive to the to the needs. So this is a political play on their part to protect their interests. And uh, finally, one year later, what did you think of the, uh, and I say that because they, everyone commemorated the first anniversary of the Russia-Ukraine war, what do you think of the major offensive this week? I mean, we're talking about bombing strikes literally in the entire country. I mean, if you look at the map where Russia attacked in Ukraine, they, they I mean, basically every major city got a really strong physical message this week. Uh, 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 do you see things just continuing to escalate? Well, they are continuing to escalate, and the you know the uh, there's still remarkable resistance. I don't think people would have anticipated that it would be as effective or as long as it is. Um, and the Russians, I think, are counting on the Western tendency to get tired of things. Uh, and you know, as we you know, we don't cover the human rights challenges in Iran with the hunger strikes by people, the arrests of women, the 
the arrest of children, tens of thousands of people in jail, the executions, you know, people get tired of it. And then, and that's what they count on that. The, the West can't sustain interest. Yep. The Russians can, the Chinese can, they, they look at things in a much longer term way than, than we do. Yeah. In general, the, well, we know what it's like, uh, in Israel, the enemy is always looking at the bigger picture years down the road. And often we lose focus on that and, Worry about. They say we can wait a thousand years. Right. They say, you know, we waited till now. We, we have time. We know how to wait it out. And that's their mantra. Uh, great cultural icon Topol passed away this week. And isn't it interesting to yeah. see that the the handful of Israelis over the last 75 years who've made an international impact culturally, I find that always fascinating. And, and uh, several of them just by playing um, in Fiddler. Yeah. As he, as he did that, what was his big boost? I, I actually met him. Many years ago, he was very personable and and uh, a talent. But uh, and uh, you know, it's very nostalgic to see that him passing. He's yeah. been retired for years, as it is. Yeah, no question. There are a few, uh, like I say, a handful that have really uh, made an impact internationally and have promoted Israel well just by what they do culturally. Uh, next week, uh, we'll let everybody know what's going on. You're scheduled to be in Israel, correct? I am, God willing. All right, so we'll uh, get that report hopefully straight from Jerusalem, please, God. And I thank you very much, and have a wonderful Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos. Malcolm Holine is uh, vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update right here at JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget our Chesed Fund is in full swing, and today we're emphasizing the Matzah Fund, M-A-T-Z-O-H Fund.com, M-A-T-Z-O-H Fund.com. The Matzah Fund, under the leadership of Alan Hirsch, feeds over 1,800 families in Judea and Samaria for the holiday of Pesach. Please, every penny you give goes right to these families. Please be as generous as possible. Uh, you can either go to matzahfund.com or 347-992-7411. Again, please be as generous as possible. Full schedule here today at 9 o'clock, right after JM and the AM. Naomi Nachman, brand new table for two with Esther Anzarut from glutenfree.sy. Shlomo Klein from Fleischick Magazine. Shani Seidman, CMO of Keiko. And Elon Kornblum of Great Kosher Restaurants Magazine. They're all guests of Naomi Nachman on table for two at 9 o'clock, just 40 minutes from now here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Followed by the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zomik. Uh, brought to you by our wonderful friends at Kedem, followed by the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by our wonderful friends at Kedem. And, of course, tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler at 9 o'clock and Matis on JM Sunday, this coming Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the Nahum Siegel Network. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nahum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pasha's Kisisa. Pasha's Kisisa, according to the Chinuch, contains nine mitzvos, four positive, <clears throat> and five restrictions. We have the privilege tomorrow as well of taking out two Sifrei Torah. The first we're going to read the Pasha of the week, <clears throat> which is Kisisa, and the second one we're going to read the Pasha's Pura. 
there are a total of four special parshios in the month of Adar. We already had Parshas Kolim and Parshas Zohor. This Shabbos is Parshas Pora, coming from the 19th chapter of Bamidbar, talking about the Pora Aduma. And if we have a moment at the end, I'll try to tie it in with our theme with the Parsha as well. Parshas Pora, excuse me, Kisisa, contains the completion of the Mishkan, which has been described in Truma and Titzaveh. You have at the beginning of the Parsha the funding for the Mishkan, its completion, for the funding of the Korbanos for the Mishkan, and you then have the Kior for the Kohanim to wash their hands and feet prior to their performance and of Avoda in the Mishkan, and later on in the base Hamikdash. When we go to the Kotel, we have that reminder of that large sink for us to wash prior to going to the Makkal Hamikdash. You then have <clears throat> the Shem and Mishchas Kodesh, the anointing oil for the Kalim, for the Kohanim in the Mishkan, and you have the Ketores, which was burnt every morning and evening, and then you have oh, the Shabbos. And even though we've had Shabbos in Bishalach, in terms of Mora, because once we had Kriyas Yamsov, and we saw Zekeli Vyamveyu, and the Jewish people were on such a high, you can't let the high dissipate. It needs to be channeled into action. And therefore, right after the splitting of the Red Sea, they were given Shabbos at Marah so that they can keep that high spiritual experience with them. Everybody who's listening should realize that we too, personally, when we experience, be it Lo'alenu, somebody is sick and the operation is successful, or Lo'alenu, they were spared or survived an accident. I don't have to tell you, when there's a high in your life that you can experience godliness, you waited many years and you found your mate, and we can go on and on at the different personal experiences. Take it and channel it. Don't let that moment dissipate. And therefore, you had Shabbos at Morah, you have Shabbos in the Ten Commandments, you have Shabbos in Parshas Mishpatim, and now again you have Shabbos. Why? What's it doing here? So it begins with the words in chapter 31, Pasuk Yud Gimel, Ach 
even though the Torah has been commanding us to construct a sanctuary, you are not to construct the sanctuary on Shabbos. Good. Then comes the famous few psukim of the Shamru B'nai Yisrael Es HaShabbos, that the Jewish people are to literally guard the Shabbos. Now these psukim are familiar to us because, one, they are included as part of the Shemona Esrei on Shabbos morning. B, many recite these two psukim as part of Kiddusha Rabbah, the Kiddush that we recite at our Shabbos table before we eat lunch on Shabbos. And even though you might have heard Kiddush in Shul, one is to recite Kiddush before you eat your lunch at home. I'd like to focus on the first part of Pasuk Tezayin, chapter 31, verse 16, where the Torah says, Literally, the Jewish people are to guard observe, keep the Shabbos, la'asos es ha-Shabbos. Literally, they are to do the Shabbos. We'll cut back to that word in a moment. L'doro sum, throughout their generations, baris olam. It is an eternal covenant between God and the Jewish people. Now, pinch yourself. This was written 3,500 years ago. And what are you doing? You're doing exactly what the Torah says. But I'd like to highlight a few points that maybe we can not only pride ourselves for what we do, but we can add a few little points to make our Shabbos all the better. So the first thing is the Shamro, to observe the Orachayim HaKadosh has several interesting uh, explanations. And the first thing that he says is the following, that in Parshas Vayeshev, after Yosef has his dreams and heaven and the sun and the moon stars bow down to him, Yaakov, the Torah says, Oviv Shomar es Hadovar. What does that mean, Shomar? So Rashi tells us he was waiting and anticipating. Mamtin umetzaper. He was waiting for it to be actualized. He realized Yosef had such great potential. He didn't know how, what, when, and where, but he knew it would happen. We have to wait and anticipate for Shabbos. Not enough that we stop on a dime and we don't work anymore, we don't do any of the violations, there is to be that anticipation, that excitement, that that special guest is coming. And the Orachayim HaKadosh says something very, very sharp, that too often, who is the center of, of our Shabbos? Forgive me, it is man. Now what does that mean? Of course, we're doing this for God, but there's a lot in it for the individual's personal satisfaction, such as 
we work hard during the week, we, quote, relax on Shabbos. And we eat good food on Shabbos. So listen carefully. Yes, that is a byproduct of Shabbos. And Shana B'Shabbos Ta'anuk, which means that we enjoy a little bit of a Shabbos nap on Shabbos. But the primary focus on Shabbos, and I read to you from the interpretation of the Vilna Ga'on on this puzzle. He's there and he says the following, because the end of the second puzzle is that on the Shabbos day Shavas, he rested, and the Talmud teaches us in the Gemara Beitzah 16a that on Shabbos we are given a Neshama Yesera, Fash. We're given a Neshamu a second soul. Now this second soul is not only to, in a physical sense, help the Jew who had a change of diet all week long. He didn't have meat and all week long he ate more sparingly. And now on Shabbos he's able to tolerate the good food. But the capacity that on Shabbos one has literally completed, he's retired, all his work is done, all of the worries of the weekday is completely obliterated on Shabbos. Where's this coming from? It's coming from the Neshama Yaseira. And therefore, he quotes the Pasuk that we have in the Haftorah for Yom Kippur day, whereby the prophet Yeshaya says, V'korosah, the Shabbos Oneg, which means you shall proclaim the pleasantness of Shabbos. The Anegas Shabbos, I quote, to enjoy the Shabbos, Ba'achila, eating, Shesia, drinking, special clothing, and one should do this, Tzorach Sheyeyelechvola Shabbos. The eating and drinking is not primarily because we enjoy the food, but to be able to eat and to say to oneself, and really, let's try to get into this habit, that as we eat on Shabbos, you don't have to say it out loud, that people will look at you, what do you say, what do you say, but in your mind, I'm doing this in honor of Shabbos. Whoa. Shenasan lanu Hashem neshama yaseira, God gave us this very special gift of that additional soul on Shabbos. I will know the Tzorech Atzmo, not primarily for our own personal indulgence. And therefore you should know, there's Yerushalmi that teaches, Bekoshi Hitiru She'ela Shalom B'Shabbos. What does that mean? Yes, of course, we greet one another and we say to one another, good Shabbos, and we're so happy to do so. But ideally, what should a person do on Shabbos? He should enjoy the sweetness of studying Torah. And even though, Baruch Hashem, we have the mitzvah and privilege of studying Torah during the week, especially those who, because of circumstances, are not as involved in the study of Torah during the week, Make sure that
that you have some formal study of Torah, be it a shear that you go to, or be it that I study, whatever it is, be it the partial with commentary, be it Talmud, be it Mishnah, but a person, I cannot tell you the enjoyment that one gets from studying Torah on Shabbos, it's different than studying Torah during the week. And the Orachayim HaKadosh continues, how do we make the Shabbos? La Sosas Shabbos. We make the Shabbos by adding on to the Shabbos, keeping Shabbos a few moments later. So by adding on, we are now saying, even though technically this is Friday, no, we can make Friday into Shabbos. Now you can't do it before Plaga Mincha, that's something else. But the capacity of us to understand that we are bringing Kedusha into this world. Okay, let's tie this a little bit into Pasha's Parah. Pasha's Parah tells us that man is composed of body and soul. And when a person leaves this world, when his soul departs from the body, there is a vacuum. The holiness, the sanctity of the soul has left. And therefore, there is tumor, impurity. The Torah says to take a red cow, slaughter it, burn it, take the ashes and sprinkle on a person who became impure because they either were under the same roof as the deceased or touched the deceased, such as the Hever Kadisha, who do such a special job, but after they have washed and dressed the deceased, they are in a state of tumor, impurity. The only way to remove this impurity is if they have the ashes of the Paraduma sprinkled upon them. Is this something we can understand with our minds? The answer is no. This says the wise King Solomon, I tried to understand it, it's beyond me. This reminds us one thing, that man is not at the center of the universe, who is Hashem. Ah, oh, Hashem tells us this is what we have to do, and we accept it. And that's the same idea as Shabbos. Let's put Hashem at the center of Shabbos, and it's only going to enhance the privilege that we have of keeping Shabbos. Shabbat Shalom to all. Jeder Tisch soll zieren, die Volk wusste sich viel, mit Mittis, wenn ein jedes Fieber. Nordzitin wusste richtig, ein Begreine lichtig, wie es passt, ein Gitterit. Mir hat mit jedem einem in Arbeitszimmer schreinem, in Kohlschiloch in Jeschiebe. Find Rubes Milch Melker in Arbeitszischen Felker, mir seht gleich auf die Schinnerit. Mach akidisch Aschen. Ay, 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 ay,
Shulam Lemmer. Some people just know him as Shulam. I think that that's how this uh, uh, album came out under the name Shulam. Brand new with Kiddush Hashem here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Parshas Kitisa, Parshas Para. 537 candlelighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Congratulations to the Israel baseball team. Their final exhibition game between the... Um, Israel baseball team and the Washington Nationals was amazing. Israel won nine to nothing. How incredible is that? Down in West Palm yesterday. So congratulations to the Israel baseball team. They start the World Baseball Classic next week. We'll be following. We wish them the best of luck. It's a tough one. They've got the toughest group, the toughest pool. But hopefully they'll do well. Uh, feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Listener B, 
Our wonderful friend B. Rosenbaum sent us a note via the app. Tomorrow, she says, my dear father's yard side, Yeshua Ben Rib Shlomo Zalman Alevi. He was a Holocaust survivor and a wonderful dad in Zadie. Uh, and she lists a couple of songs that she would love to hear in his memory, and we're going to do one of them right now. It's actually uh, covered by the great Rabbi Shlomo Katz. She says, thanks, have a wonderful Shabbos. That's again uh, from B, and this is for her and all of you, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Summers came along 
And now my children sit in front of me And who will be the Zadies of my children? Who will be their Zadie if not me? Oh, who will be the Zadies of our children? Who will be their Zadies if not we? But Zadie made us laugh Zadie made us sing And Zadie made a kiddish Friday night And Zadie, oh my Zadie How I loved him so And Zadie used to teach me Wrong from right
ברכת קלה, בעיני שבת נקבלה. לך דודי ליקת קלה, בעיני שבת נקבלה. Pretty amazing selections, huh? Yeah, I agree. Bowie Vishalom off of Shabbat volume number one. Before that, you heard the Lachado D. Excuse me. Yeah, Lachado D off of Shabbat volume number one. 
and my Zadie done by Shlomo Katz. Great job on that one, to say the least, here. At JM in the AM. Uh, ready to wrap things up. Reminder, 537 candlelighting time in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And a big hello to those of you who, tune, who are tuned in around the world. Much appreciated. Got a nice note from London earlier. Nice uh, indication on the app. Brand new Naomi Nachman with Table for Two coming up next. 9 a.m. Eastern time with that amazing lineup of guests that I mentioned earlier. Lots of great stuff. Time to say good job is with Journeys to JM there. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer. There's nothing left to do. Say good job is Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day Together with The Holy One Say a special blessing On a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Shabbos 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Rather on the web at on the Nachomsegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up another amazing and incredible Friday and a great week here at JMNAM. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Plenty coming up over the weekend. Uh, table for two, brand new with Naomi Nachman is next. Mark Zamek, Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Full day of incredible Arab Shabbos music. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, single with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. Sunday, Matis live with JM Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern time. And Monday morning, we're back right here. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until next week, Nahum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.